Welcome to the Joy of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Dr. James Taylor. On this podcast, we explore the passion and purpose of leadership. Join us to explore lessons in leadership that demonstrate how you can live in the center of God's will. Hey, it is great to have Recap Gray with us today, uh, pastor extraordinaire, and uh, has been absolutely killing it uh, this week with our spiritual lamps this week. Recap, it's great to have you here, brother. So glad to be here, man. It's been an amazing week, a special, special, special time. It, it really life. has. Like it just, and I know, I know, the podcast gets sent out at different times. So, so I'll just, but I'll still say, like, yeah. man, today was special. Like just to be able to see uh, such a large group of kids coming to know Christ as their Savior. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing, right? Man, you know? the Lord, when when that happens, like, we cannot let that stuff yeah. just become normal to us right. and get numb to it. Like, every time a sinner repents, like, the angels are rejoicing. And so we should be doing the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm still going crazy in my soul right now. Yeah, me too. You know, just, <laughs> you know, when, when you see, um, you know, listen, I, I, I like adults. They're fine. But I, re- but I, but I, but I love kids, right? Yes. I mean, I just, I just love kids because they're, they're live right on the edge. They're willing to, to tell you what they're really thinking. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I love the honesty of it. Yeah. I also love the idea that man, when you, when you can grab a hold of, of that kid in their teen years, and to watch the transition to see where God can use them for a lifetime, Bro. you know, it's just, it's beautiful. You know, it's just beautiful. Nothing so, like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, today, you know, with the, just the Holy Spirit, man, I, I, I also loved how you engaged every kid who came down, that it wasn't, this was not about walking an aisle. It's about a relationship. Come on. You know? Come on. And I really appreciated the fact that, that you really dug deep into their world, mm. you know? So, mm. appreciate you, brother. Bro, I can't appreciate you guys more for having me, man. I mean, this <laughs> these are weeks that you you do this for, man. This has been really, really, really special awesome. for not just me, my family as well. So That's it's awesome. been amazing. Cool. Been amazing. I, we're going to connect many more times. Yes, indeed. Hey, I'd love to let, let's dig in on this thing. I'd love to hear about uh, your. Do, is it still? We still call it a new church. You think? Are you still calling it a new church? You've been there for a while at this point in time, but uh, new creation fellowship in Orlando. Tell us a little bit about. Uh, how that came to be. I'd love to hear the story. <laughs> Man, the long story short is uh, myself, um, another dude, Ike Todd, and then another dude, Demetrius. Uh, me and Ike had a relationship all the way since back in Philly. Um, and he was a part of a church that I was pastoring in Des Moines, Iowa. And we were sending him off to church plant. And his wife wouldn't stop praying for me and my wife to be a part of that church. No way. While we were still pastoring uh, this beautifully growing and uh, just wonderful church. And so uh, by the grace of God, uh, God just don't let you go and he got plans for you. And so uh, we said a no immediately. And then over the course of like a year, uh, just started to feel the Lord unraveling and open our hearts to the idea. And then just deposited like so clearly this is where you guys need to be for me and my wife. And so we both decided we'll be going down there together. And then we met this dude, Demetrius Hicks. And I immediately said that I I think we might have to add a third. <laughs> and I didn't know what that was going to look like. I Like neither one of us did. Um, but we uh, got a chance to spend a week together because who knew? But the week, um, the year I met Demetrius and we really got a chance to hit it, hit it off. Uh, the end of that summer, my last event of the summer, um, 
unbeknownst to us, we would actually be leading the same week. He would be leading oh, worship. Man. I'd be preaching. So I said, oh, my goodness, we have a week together. Invited Ike out. And uh, we all just had incredibly insane chemistry. Uh, cried together, laughed together, <laughs> shared each other's burdens. And um, we asked him to come on the team. He prayed, and the Lord sent him from Birmingham, uh, us coming from Philly, but then Des Moines. And then I spent a year in Memphis, and then we all came in 2022 to uh, plant the church together. No so, way. so it's really this kind of trifecta of guys yes. who just absolutely connect for the, for yes. the mission. Yes, yes. And okay. when I say uh, those dudes are brilliant, godly, um, Bible dudes, and so it's, it's one thing to work with guys who you can you have chemistry with. It's another thing to work with guys who you have the same missional philosophy. It's right. another thing when you, you're you working with dudes who just love Jesus and love the scriptures, man. And to have all three is just, is yeah. just nuts, man. Well, you've got, nuts. you've got to have, you know, when you're doing that church plant, you've got to have that theological side. You've got to have a love for people, which ends up looking sometimes like social work, right? Facts. You know, uh, but you also have to have that entrepreneurial spirit because you're recreating every week, yes. you know, and you're you're like an active response mode uh, that ministry tends to, to flow from hardship and blessing. Absolutely. And so you've got to be ready to respond actively to each of those, yep. you know? Absolutely. So. And it's cool because each one of us carries our own gift set, own yeah. skill set. Um, like my role is pretty much pastor of preaching spiritual formation. So handling the word of God, preaching schedule, making sure we have a culture of discipleship at our church. And so I don't even have to get in some of the weeds of uh, <laughs> finances and mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm. or in the weeds of creative direction. Like I don't have to even worry about those things and vice versa. And when you have people in those areas, that's one thing. When you have people in those areas who you know are better than you, like actually better mm -hmm, than you. Mm -hmm. It makes it so easy to just be hands right. off. And they would say the exact same thing. And so uh, those dudes can preach, they can lead. We can all go do it ourselves if you right. if you want to put it like that. But to lead with, with, with two other dudes, man, it has made it honestly a restful work. Mm -hmm. I haven't been stressed. Not so you handle anxiety. the key teaching. Yeah. And then one of the guys is handling the kind of the exact pastor role. Yeah. yeah. And then one guy's handling music and exact pastor, worship. <laughs> little bit our service uh, hospitality i mean yeah he, he handles a lot yeah. and then uh another guy is over vision and create and direction and so i mean really it is uh yeah it, it's i don't know how the lord put this together but it has been the most amazing and sweetest thing i've ever participated you in know I, I, we're working through the book of acts right now in, in my in our on our sunday connect group and and uh, pastor landon's working through the book of acts one of my favorite books Come maybe on. even my favorite book. yeah, yeah. But, you know I'll, i was i was all i've always been hit when the idea of the the kind of the argument that arose among the Yo. widows uh and then steven gets to be one of the guys who's called and so you know he's a guy who you you know you figure like why is he getting called to do food distribution? Hey, he must be a good organizer. He's probably really <laughs> or, you know he likes things in order. He likes he likes you know food's going to go on shelves. Like you picture those things like all of these very corporate skills he must have right or else they wouldn't have picked him. And yet when you look at the description of it, he's preaching, he's teaching, yes. he's healing. Yes. He's doing so like he's still he's still exercising all of those gifts. He just has a skill set that allows him to also live in this kind of corporate zone Amen. for him to be working, right? So it sounds like that's the team. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that nails us down so so well. Yeah. And and then there has to be a willingness to say, you know, I have these gifts, and for the sake of the body of Christ, though, uh, I know at this time, let's say for Stephen, Peter is the more pronounced one, right? 
So you 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 lay aside. You still use it though. Mm-hmm. But then you say like I I got this other gift that Peter doesn't have. <laughs> so let me right. serve in it. Like that humility is nece- is is necessary for the whole team. If anything like that is going to actually work out. And so we really do talk about leading together, um, like these, honestly, these three H's of uh, honesty, honoring, and humility. Mm. That that you have to have a group of people who are really humble. That's good. That it's not about the maximization of my gift, but the edification of the body. Mm-hmm. Humility. But then you also have to honor other people. Like uh, Paul says so clearly, like you can't say to another part that you don't need that other part. That, that that's that's foolishness. But then there has to be honesty. Like, I got to be able to tell you the truth about yourself. You got to be able to tell me the truth about myself. And I got to be able to tell the truth about myself and mm-hmm. vice versa. And we could be able to have a conversation. So honesty, honor, humility, like those three things of like, man, they they keep us together. And again, that's nothing that's strange to the scriptures. That's mm-hmm. all just the text, man. Honor, yeah. outdo one another, showing honor. That's right. Humility being the call of God through Paul to the church of Philippi. And then honesty, authenticity, First John chapter 1 when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times we have distant staff relationships or leadership relationships. It's because we just don't walk in the light. Sure. And so the more we can do that, man, the, the better our relationship will be. So you jump in with this team that that just got great cohesion, great synergy. Yep. Uh, from a strategic perspective, why? How, how come you guys landed in Orlando? Was that, <laughs> was that Holy Spirit direction? Was that strategy? Was that coming through a church planning organization? Tell, yeah. tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, you already know. Uh, just the little time we've had together uh, is first just the spirit of God. Uh, actually, so my wife and I and uh, Ike and his wife, Arianisis, um, who's actually from Florida, uh, we had a Disney trip. We just okay. went away, just had a trip in Disney. And at that time, Ike uh, just saw a vision of the harvest um, in Orlando. I didn't share it with anybody. So when we set him aside the church plan, he was talking about going to Orlando. Nobody knew why, and he started to share why. Well, obviously, when God calls you to something, like how could Abraham have known what the land of Canaan would have meant? He just Mm -hmm. went where God told him. How could Moses have known what it meant to rescue the people? He just did what God told him. So in the meantime, you're just doing what God tells you, and then you find out the why afterwards most of the time, the strategy, if you will. And I think we try to reverse engineer that sometimes. We do all the time. We try to strategize first and then get to praying. Yeah. The Bible we actually pray works about the, uh, the strategy that we've already picked <laughs> yes, out. Yeah, yes. right. Yeah. The Bible that works the exact opposite. You pray and then you find out why That's this right. is strategic. Yeah. And so um yeah, we we just prayed and then we find out just how strategic it is, how diverse of a place it is, and our heart had already been beaten for not just diversity and diversity, you know, generalities, but really seeing that from day one, from the rip, God had a plan to create a one nation out of a multiplicity of nations. His call to Abraham was not that I would just bless people, Mm -hmm. but I will bless all the nations. Then Jesus rises from the dead. Go make disciples of all nations. And then Revelation 7, all nations, tribes, and tongues, and languages. Mm -hmm. And we could try to forfeit diversity to the background of the scriptures, but then you're not really reading the scriptures then. That's right. The the call of diversity has been there from the rip. And so um, having this idea of, of what Pastor Ike talks about is perfect unity. Um, uh, this this kind of unity that is birthed out of the nature of God, that he is in himself a diversity and a unity, perfect unity, holy love. And then it also should be shown forth in the people of God as a reflection of God. But then his whole purpose and plan, the will of God, is that all things Ephesians chapter 1 says will be united 
under, and I love this language in Greek, it's like under the title page, Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like all of this is about the unifying of all things, but not all things that are uniform. Mm -hmm. Shalom is not about uniformity, it's about unity, mm -hmm. where there's different things working together, but they work together in cohesion. And uh, that's the beauty of what we, we wanted from the rip. So the fact that God called us to a place that inherently had that kind of diversity, uh, he knew the strategy before we ever did, but it's just worked out. You know, jump, jumping back in, like one, one of my favorite sections uh, that deals with Christian community in Acts chapter 2, where Come you on. see the idea of, hey, they develop, they devoted themselves to the preaching, teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then there's this phrase, man, at the end of it that I've always loved, and it says, and they had everything in common. Right. And, I, and I've always got such a kick out of that because literally from an earthly perspective, they had nothing in common. Come on, yo. Like these, are, these are guys who are you, you've got, you know, Middle Eastern, you've got black. Hey, there's no Swedish dudes in this mix. You know what I'm saying? Like like Jesus, the, real, the right? Jesus we picture. He's like from Scandinavia or something. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's so, so real, funny. But, but, you know, you look at this and you say, hey, th these guys, they're they're totally diverse in color, yeah. socioeconomic background like they ate different foods Yo. they came from different stories like they had nothing in common Yo. <laughs> and yet hey when you place christ first come on when you're based on the fellowship when you have those things hey you know what you've got everything in common that matters absolutely the rest of that's just, just the trappings of the world come on man you know and <laughs> absolutely. So i've always been so taken by that yeah. you know when you meet somebody like just we've connected absolutely it's cool man to connect with somebody and so fast your kindred spirits yes indeed because it's you have everything in common for sure that yep. matters yes absolutely you know a man absolutely so absolutely. yeah it's cool yeah. um so, so you guys are planting this church, yeah. doing amazing things. Yeah. Uh, we talk a lot in here on the idea of uh, of our calling. As you know, most of my life is spent blessedly with teenagers. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Uh, working with kids. And so uh, constantly talking about this idea of callings. So you're a brilliant guy. Mm -hmm. I've so enjoyed just how you've used your, your skills in oratory this week. But just how you've done that for the glory of God is pretty is pretty impressive. You jump in with an undergrad in mechanical engineering, <laughs> such a clear and natural path into yeah, yeah. being a pastor. For there. <laughs> so, so right, right, tell right. me a little bit, like at what point in time God's got Jeez. you working through this mechanical engineering degree? Uh, at what point in time does God actually kind of tap you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, you know, I'm going to use you to preach the word." Yeah, it's funny, man. So the the very, very, very extremely long story short is uh, when I came to Christ at 14, uh, two years into that, I was just reading through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, at the end of completing Revelation, I just did my first fast, three days, no water, and felt very clearly God's call for me to preach. I, 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 How old were you then? 16. 16. 16. Okay. Uh, at the time, I was mad shy. Um, you know, my mom will always share that she, she used to force me to call Pizza Hut on Fridays just so I would talk to a stranger just to get used to talking to strangers. And so the idea of preaching just made no sense to me whatsoever. And so I I, um, I ran away from it, wanted to go into engineering because I make the most money and I speak to the least amount of people. And so, no kidding, that's seriously why you were that's choosing seriously that background. Why, yeah, yeah. That's and I was able to do it because I was good at math. And so, uh, real rap, I, I didn't want to talk to people, and I wanted to make bread. and um, But all of that was a, a, a burial. Like, I had a decision. It was a fork in the road. Do I go to Bible college? Cause yeah. I, um, or do I do this and make bread? And I, I decided I want to make bread. 
So I went to school. I praise God because God used that to connect me with my 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 now wife. And um, uh, we had known each other in high school, but didn't date or anything like that. I actually led her to faith in college. And, Did you and, really? Yeah, yeah. Not oh, I always say in spite of me, not because yeah, of me, man. That's good. Um, a lot of failures in that, a lot of flaws in that, but was given the opportunity to lead her to faith. And so 2009, we get married. Um, I met a wonderful like, yo, this church is dope. Like, they preach expositionally. Mm-hmm. They know the text. I had never seen anybody preach through an entire book of the Bible. And I'll never forget it. They preached through the Gospel of John. They called it Jesus Unplugged. Um, like, I was like, yo, this is this is so dope. They had elders. It, it was just a really dope church. And then I remember in 2012, um, this is when everything shifted for me. I got... Uh, me and my wife were both working at the naval base downtown, uh, South Philly, and um, and we had everything, man. I was making good bread. She was making good bread. Just eat Chick Fil A like every day. We at the same spot, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it was, it was no more dope. Pizza Hut. No, nah, man. For me, it was Little Caesars, bro. <laughs> For me, it was Little Caesars after after the Pizza Hut time, man. Um, and man, when I say like uh, that year was hard because. Um, Man, got laid off from the job uh, because of, like, veterans' preference. It was, a, like, I was graduating, so they needed – it was long story short. So I got laid off, and during that time, I got an opportunity to spend some more time with some pastors on staff. And that year, they happened to be doing their first missions trip. That missions trip changed my life when we went to Malawi, Africa for the first time. I went out there, and on the plane ride, my mentor said, I'm going to have you preach while we out here. Mm. I said no every time he the opportunity came. I was terrified. I was scared. I couldn't do it. I made every excuse in the world. And then one day God asked me to pray for a home. And when I was praying for that home, um, in my heart, God was like, no, I want you to gather everyone and pray. And I just refused. Took me back to the refusal and the mm. calling. And um, the next day, that mother and that daughter from that home are sitting in a room and they call us over and they say, these folks need prayer. I had just heard the Lord the day before say, this house needs prayer. And now everybody's calling us over. And it's that mom and that daughter. No way. I walk in. I say, what's going on? They said the little girl, her name was Charity. They've checked for HIV. They checked for malaria. And it's neither, but she's dying. This is their last resort. Can you please just lay hands on her? We're just begging for a miracle at this point in time. So I'm bawling my eyes out. Nobody knows why. I'm apologizing. I go back to the place where we stand. I cry my eyes out, literally a puddle of tears. I knew That day I knew what they meant by a puddle of tears. I'm just crying. And then in the middle of my crying, the Lord is like, so will you trust me? Mm. And I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know how to do this, though. I don't know how, like, I can't gather people. I don't know how to speak, all that stuff. And he just starts to remind me of all the callings in Scripture that it was never, yo, Moses, you a good speaker. Mm-hmm. Yo, Gideon, you really are strong. It was always, but I will be with you. That's right. And I was like, all right, Lord, if you'll be with me, I'll do it. The next day, they say, hey, we want you to speak at a so- kid's soccer tournament. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. This is a good ease-in. And so I say, yes, we show up. It's like 300 dudes. <laughs> 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 and I'm talking about grown Malawian men, dog. Like grown Malawian men wow. there. And I'm like, there's no way they want me to speak to all these people. There's no way. And they say, hey, we're going to gather all of them at halftime of the next game, and you're going to give a 15-minute word. I've never spoken a sermon before, never prepared one. Don't know what I'm doing. I do the best job I can to prepare something in the little time I have from Ephesians chapter 5. 
Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time for the days are evil. And I preach this message, if you want to call it that, and I drive home Jesus. At the end of it, I said, okay, anybody want to receive Jesus, not thinking anything would happen, and all these hands go up, man. Mm. And uh, I got back to the group we were with, and they were just like, man, you need to put down that engineering thing. I think God has clearly called you. It's awesome. It was crazy because the very next day the the confirmation came where we got a call. They said, gather everybody around. Charity has been healed. The fever has been broken. And she's already back running around like she's our own self. And so that day was the day I knew um, that ministry was going to be my full-time vocation. It it amazes me, and I'll still rub shoulders with the guys who have fallen into ministry as a career. Right? I know exactly. You rub shoulders with these guys. Oh, yeah. Like, they've lost touch with the idea that our lives, we have the blessing, like the huge blessing of being totally led by the Spirit. It's crazy. And the only way that happens, it's got to start with alignment. Like, we've got to be in alignment with with who God is in our lives first, or else we can't even hear, you know? And and so did you uproot it all, and your bride's in for the ride? <laughs> yeah, no, I came back, and she was already ready, man. The okay. Lord had already prepared her heart. Yeah. She was she was actually ready before I left. Um, and so when I came back, she literally said, like, I knew it. Um, and, and so we were in for the ride of our lives. Um, I, you know, bless God, was able to raise money to come on staff. You know, our, our church was in North Philly, man. We ain't had you know, bread to just come on staff or nothing <laughs> like that. So I raised money to come on staff. And, um, and you know, we, we was always in the hood. So I was doing ministry, just evangelism, you know, on the street. And, uh, man, I got stories for days from that. But what that did, man, is it allowed for me to really hone in on if Jesus is really worth it, he's worth it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Malawi or the hood in Philly That's right. or the suburbs in Georgia. Yeah. You know just what I mean? a different just, chapter of the same It just family. don't matter. Yeah. It, it's, it's anywhere. Yeah. And it's the same Jesus. And if he's worth it at all, he's worth it anywhere. And so that really allowed for me to go to different contexts, different types of people, different people groups, and just spit the same Jesus. And I don't have to try to change who I am. I could be who I am. But I can I can deliver the the unchanging message, you know. As Jude says, the message that was once and all for all delivered to the saints. Mm. Um, and we have one Master and one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that Jesus is able to save anybody, anywhere, at any time. So, yeah. so, the, so such a huge like I love this idea of responding to the call, yeah, and 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 yet rejecting the call earlier on, oh, right? For sure. You know, it, but, but the idea that, hey, God doesn't write us off. Like, he's, we're going to get more opportunities to respond Thank to the, the Lord Jesus, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you respond in this. One, one of the things where, where I'm constantly challenging students is I say, okay, listen, all right. So if you're called into this, so what are the steps you're going to have to take? Well, well I just want to do the call. Okay. Mm. And I'm in for that, yeah. you know, but are the things you need to do in preparation for it? So let's jump back into the educational sphere uh, now you're a guy with this mechanical engineering degree that yeah. you're working in South Philly with in this church, yeah. uh, but you jumped right on and did a master's degree. Yeah. So, yeah. so walk us through kind of as you're as you're going to respond to that call. Yeah. It still means you got to fill your toolbox. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, one of the, this is something I'm mad passionate about though. Uh, one of the blessings I had was I had really good mentors. Yo, funny story. So like um, growing up. Um, this is this is true, sad but true. 
uh, the 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 demographic I was most afraid of were older white dudes. I think that's me. <laughs> you kind of fit that mold. Come on, man. <laughs> you kind of fit that mold. <laughs> so, yo, I, when I say like, not even older white women, just particularly older white dudes. I yeah. had just some, you know, experiences being young, and so man, um, it's funny the Lord in His hilarity. Um, the two mentors he gives me. I'm in North Philly, 97% black. My church is predominantly black. Um, and the mentors he gives me are two older white dudes. Was it really? Yeah, out of all of that, he gives me two mentors, <laughs> older white dudes. Um, God just, from the rip, just embedded my heart with this idea of diversity. But I had two really good mentors who both had uh, a relationship with a particular seminary in Philly. And they wouldn't let me go first. They said, I want you to hone in not your academia, but your affections for the church of God first. Oh, that's great advice. And it worked, man. Like, wow. like because by the time they released me to go to school, um, man, my mindset was so different than a lot of my classmates. Right. Who I, I remember classmates talking about, um, you know, one of my mentors talks about you know, a student who talked about people as like projects, like, all right, okay, because so now we can move from the projects <laughs> and let's move to the real stuff. Right. And he said, I want you to rewind what you just said. You just called people projects. Do you, do you understand mm-hmm. that? But you are called yeah. to people, to shepherd the flock of God. Religion as a business. Yes. Gross. Yes. Yeah. But I did so much schooling with that kind of pastor. And what Frighten me is like these guys are just filling out job applications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's gonna pick them up, yep. and they're gonna be passing. Yep. And they the, like, and that's no diss to anybody. It's a soil thing. Like it's an environment thing. It's a spirituality. It's a principality. Mm-hmm. It's something that we have to break. It's not a person. It's 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 something we have to break. But man, I praise God that my mentors didn't let me go to school when I wanted to first, because I did grow an affection for the people of God. The shepherd before I had all the tools because they also wanted to remind me my primary tool is the book. (laughs) And so that text was enough. And then when I went to school, now I'm just bolstering up my understanding of a text I will always have access to. And it, it, it was such a blessing for me. So I, yeah, I'm working on my PhD right now. I, I love from a fascinating school, by the way. Yes. I, I literally had to go in and dig Bro. it up because I had never <laughs> heard of it before. So can you just t- give me a nutshell on that? Like, where'd that come from? Bro, it is the hand of God, man. You, The hand of God. My wife is hugely involved in this. When During COVID, ev- like everybody else, I felt like I need to use this time rightly. Like, let me not waste this time. So I got the work uh, after spending some years dealing with Greek, just trying to translate my own... New Testament. It's just mm-hmm. trying to translate my own version of the New Testament. Sure. Like, see, write it in my words. Not to publish it, not to put it out, not to do anything with it. Just for myself. Just for you. Just for myself. Because I've been doing my devotional in the New Testament Greek for a long time. So I finished 363 days later with some study notes and all of that. And it was really, really great process. Very intimate process with the Lord. Cried a lot during the process. But my wife asked me, so what do you want to do with this? I said, pretty much nothing. I'm good. She said, well, people, you know, might want to see more of your work. And so um, she was all like, you should probably continue on. And I was like, well, if I were to continue on, like she she really just challenged me, like just throw out a prayer. Um, I said, I would want to study under a dude named Vince Bantu, who was really, really, um, he's changing the game in terms of going back and looking at African Christianity mm-hmm. 
before European missionaries. So like what no was way. African Christianity before Islam takes over and now you have to send European missionaries back and now reintroduce Christianity that they had from the rip. And so there was, um, man, it, it's crazy because to try to uncover it, obviously with Islam burning a lot of that stuff is hard. Mm -hmm. um, obviously with just the ancientness of it, but the stuff he's uncovering is nuts, yo. And so I was like, I would love to study under him. And so he told me about a school that he had started himself named, called Meacham, but he said it was connected to a school called Nates, and I would have to really do my degree through Nates, uh, North American Institute of Indigenous Theological Studies. Started that, that by a dude. That barely fits on a business. Right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was started by a dude named Terry LeBlanc, man, with uh, a revival broke out amongst all indigenous people around the world. And they were like, how do we continue this? And they were hoping for two things. One, orthodox theological education. Two, maintain our culture of indigeneity. Because Unheard of. If some liberal schools might be okay with the indigeneity and push that, but not the orthodoxy. Right, right. Some schools might be cool with the orthodoxy, but I uh, get that all, all that native right. stuff out of here. But for them to hold to their culture and still be able to hold to orthodoxy. And man, when I say it is revolutionized the way in which I see certain passages of scripture because of their emphasis on the creative, mm -hmm. on creation itself, mm -hmm. the dust from which we are made, mm -hmm. like, bro, it has been, you know, it's, it's been it's a life changing. I, I grew up in Eastern Canada. Uh, we were, that's I, right. Yeah. I'm surrounded by Micmac Indians and one section of Cherokee. And so, Tons of the kids that I went to school with were were in Canada. They call them One Nation. Okay, and so, yeah, they, yeah, so yeah. yeah, and so so you you know like we're we're in this type of a setting, and I'm I'm like like rubbing shoulders with these kids, and I always thought like, man, it's a skinny minute from from where you guys are with this understanding and respect for the world around you to actually jumping in and understand who who created that world, and it really was like it was such a thin line. Absolutely. Between those two things. So it kind of does make sense, but nobody's doing it, you know, except for these guys. I mean, it's pretty exciting. It's, it's ridiculously amazing. And I would encourage anybody. Um, Ephesians 3 is a really heartfelt passage for me. The whole chapter, the whole book is obviously yeah. great. But the chapter specifically says, it is through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is made known. Manifold, multifaceted, multidimensional. And then one section over in the same chapter He's given his worship, what we call his doxology. Mm. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power by the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend. What does he say? With all the saints. Mm. What is the breadth, length, height, and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God? Now, when he says breadth, length, height, and depth, that sounds like multidimensional language. Mm -hmm. But he just got done talking about it's through the church mm -hmm. that the multidimensional wisdom of God is made known. So it's almost as though what Paul is saying through this letter that's so much about unity between Jew and Gentile is that it requires a multidimensional people to show off and understand God's multidimensional love. love that. So you, so it's not just a novelty mm -hmm. that I learned from my white brothers and sisters. I actually need y'all because you have an angle 
on the love of God mm -hmm. that my culture would never allow for right. me to see right. and vice versa. But what if we just stop at black and white? We missing out on right. so much. Right. So as re God continues to redeem different nations, it's not only that they would be blessed with the gospel. Well, we as Christians who already have the gospels are blessed by learning from their redeemed understanding of how they see the gospel. And now notes of the beauty of the gospel are added to our understanding. Right and we grow in sanctification and the love of God because it requires a multidimensional people to understand God's multidimensional love. That's awesome. And so I am learning God's multidimensional love from a different dimension, learning from my indigenous brothers and sisters, That's man. Great. It's crazy. And it's in a cohort model, so you're gonna be you're gonna rub it's amazing. with tons of guys. It's ridiculous amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Brother, hey, listen, we're gonna connect a lot in the future. Uh, you know, you're talking about the idea of prayer leading leading you into this other church you know i've got about 53 people here on campus <laughs> that are praying that you'll take like you know you'll come here as a campus pastor so it, I, and listen i know that god god's got other plans for you but yeah. uh but hey at the same time it's great to just meet somebody who you know we've got everything in common <sighs> even though we might not come look on, the same come on different everything. backgrounds we get everything in everything common, in common. you know yeah. uh great to meet your brother too, and man. uh looking forward to connecting a lot more and seeing all that god does appreciate you we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Joy of Leadership podcast. Living in the center of God's will is a rare blessing in today's day and age. Help us share this vital story of passionate leadership. If you would like to comment on the show, or if you know someone who would be a perfect guest, contact us at thejoyofleadership at gmail.com. If you like the show and don't want to miss a single episode, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.